0: to be loving, right? To the same way we can learn to love ourselves and to, and to love others with our flaws, with our imperfections, right? Because everybody's imperfect, right? We can learn to love life in a similar way, right? We can learn to learn from our flaws and work with them. And same thing with life, right? We can learn that sometimes, again, things are out of our control, we can attribute that to fate. We can maybe attribute that to other people expressing their will. Cause we're, you know, we're not in control of them either, which I think we could just for argument's sake, put that in with fate. Right. And we can learn to influence the world, offer the world new choices, perhaps through our behavior. The same way, you know, with ourselves, Epictetus famously says, you know, we should learn to scrutinize, scrutinize ourselves with kindness. That's sort of what love is, right? Cause that scrutiny leads to growth and growth requires love wait, what? No, love requires growth. And I almost think the other way is true too, to an extent, but let's not get into that. Um, Thich Nhat Hanh famously right in his book, How to Love, wrote, you know, when love stops growing, it starts to die. Scrutiny helps growth because you figure out, right? We could almost switch that word because I think that has some negative connotations. Switch it to examining, right? If you want to grow, you have to figure out where you need growth. You have to figure out how have you successfully grown in the past? in order to at least do that optimally. Right? So when we talk about fate leads the willing that, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that we're led in a way that's loving, but what do we want to be? I think a more fati at the very least could be an aspiration. And I think it goes beyond simply characterizing something as terrible. And I even think it's more profound and it's deeper than just like finding the silver lining. There are a lot of great examples of this. I think Ryan Holiday provides a lot of great examples of this in his books and in his videos with the Daily Stoic. And one I think, and I'm not getting this right, but it was a businessman who like their factory went on fire and it was gonna just destroy the factory and there's nothing he could do about it. And he was like, just standing outside the factory, like watching it get engulfed in flames. And his son came up to him and like, you know, in in a panic state and he told his son, go get your mother. She'll never see a fire this large in her life. And he sort of like took it as, you know, almost immediately flipped it into an opportunity, right? Well, now I'm not going to get bored because I have to restart this whole thing again. And I think there is some naiveness there, right? Or some naivete there. But the question is, is it useful? And I think the answer is yes, because he's not, you know, totally damaging or destroying himself emotionally in that moment. Now he has another sense, a greater sense of direction than simply saying, oh, this is shit. So the question might not even necessarily be, is it realistic? The question might be, is it useful? Is it good? Right? Immanuel Kant in his metaphysics and morals, right? talks about goodness being the most important thing. And I've got some problems with, with, with Kant. We can argue with Kant as we can with pretty much any philosopher, um, a number of things, but ultimately I think that's a really cool point. Even truth, which is very important. We might have to ask ourselves, now, this doesn't necessarily fit into the Kantian worldview, but I've thought about this a lot in the past. Like a lie can serve goodness, obviously, right? We could all think of examples. Now, a selfish lie, a lie that you you know, you know, tell just like to protect yourself when you've done something wrong, or a lie you tell to avoid being judged by others, like that. those are probably problematic, right? So we shouldn't make a habit of lying, but you can lie to protect someone. You can lie and save someone's life. You can lie and save your own life, right? So of course we can think about this idea that maybe to embrace what Seneca is saying, that at times we have to be led by fate. We have to allow ourselves, right? We have to maybe, and this is something I struggle with a lot. We have to detract from our belief or decrease the intensity of the belief that we can take action in the world and things will go our way right? So if you're someone who struggles with that, which I struggle with that personally, right? I don't think I struggle to take action. There are other people that need to be encouraged to take action. I think I struggle to realize that sometimes actions either just like don't work out or I also struggle with expectations, Right? So sometimes, let's say, if you you feel like you make demands on the universe, you make demands on other people, this, I think, is a great quote to kind of relax a little bit. Right? And I love the idea from Marcus Aurelius, too. Um, You know, nothing for him, he says, is possible without God and good luck. And maybe you don't believe in a higher power. Okay, say luck. Luck is real. I think I've already mentioned this on the podcast, right? We do not make our own luck. That's naive. And I think that's naive and not helpful. Something could be naive and helpful and something could be naive and not helpful. I think that's naive, but it's also not helpful because it's kind of arrogant in my opinion to think that luck doesn't exist. I control luck. Wait a minute. Really? I don't know about that too much going on in the universe, too many other people expressing their wills as well in my opinion. And I stand by this to think that luck doesn't exist or that it exists, but it only exists as a result of me doing things. right? So I think the Stoics, as Marcus was saying there too, would agree that luck is its own sort of entity. Like you can't control it. We need it. It has to aid or help us in our endeavors in life, right? So for me, I think on the 18th, when I wrote this of last month, like fate leads the willing and drags the reluctant, I was probably reminding myself to just be led calmly, to acknowledge what's out of my control and understand that fate is real at least to some extent, I think I'm trying to encourage myself to believe that so I can learn how to let go. That's also a great stoic perception, right? That we have to learn how to let go of our control. Again, of over the things that we cannot control. Right? We can't control a lot of things as we've already discussed. This is a great quote, I think, to highlight that and to encourage us to uh, to live it. You know, Fate leads the willing and drags the reluctant also a little bit reminds me of the, uh, the stoic conception of free will, right? The dog with a leash attached to a cart, the cart is universe. If the cart moves, you know, this isn't a huge dog. The dog can either run alongside the cart. The dog can maybe even, you know, slowly jog behind it, or the dog can refuse to move and hurt. And, you know, I want to say hurt itself, but it's the universe also, right? So the dog by staying, will create a scenario in which, you know, it's going to, it's going to suffer. So I, I like that idea a lot. I, I think for me, I would maybe, I would like to think we have a long leash so we can move around freely. Right. But there's certain things out of our control. Once again, there are certain movements of the universe that are going to pull us and we have to make a choice back to Amor Fati, how we relate to that pull, how we relate to that event out of our control. Will we try to make something good of it? Will we try to love it and grow with it, or will we just fight it? So that's sort of a question. I know I like to end on questions. That's kind of a question, right? How do you relate to events out of your control? How do you balance between accepting things out of your control, accepting things, and taking action on things? Right, because we have to keep in mind that balance is, at least for Aristotle, is virtuous. So even I think we often in our culture, too, we admire the action takers. And that's overall a good thing, I would say. But ultimately, it could also be a bad thing. There there is a lot to be said for people who are good at learning how to sit back and powerfully so, I would say, acknowledge that this is out of my control. This will not affect my peace. Because I think also when we let our peace get affected negatively, we then start becoming more difficult to be around and we start maybe making decisions that aren't fair for other people. As a result of our own unfairness to ourselves, it's unfair to not know how and when to say it's out of my control. Let fate lead this. Also, maybe this is kind of returning to my earlier half of this episode that kind of turned into a little bit of a rant. What journaling, I call it philosophical journaling. It's not, I don't think that's a new idea, but what type of journaling do you do? And how might that help with this with this uh, set of issues, right? So, like I said, I walked us through my day-to-day planner, my kind of more philosophical, personal one. Then my work as a student, and you know, I'm always hoping to write something, trying to write something new. So that's like where I'll do my author stuff too, and then my physical journal that I use to kind of create a sense of fulfillment and and merit, let's say, and appreciation for exercise. So maybe adopt a practice, one of those or another one, whatever. But uh, keep this in mind too, right? Kind of two episodes for one today, sort of. I went on a little bit of a rant there. All right. Well, hope this was helpful. Thank you for listening and I'll talk to you soon.